Hello, my friend, and welcome to this episode of A Call to Leadership. I'm Dr. Nate Sala, your host. I am so glad you are here. This episode is a solo episode. It's just the two of us, and we're going to talk about something that's critically important for leaders, the vision of the end of the journey. Do you know how you want to be remembered? What people will say at the end of your journey when they're standing among friends and family with a tribute to how you lived. You say, Nate, that sounds so incredibly morbid. I don't want to think about that. Think of it less from the perspective of, oh my goodness, yes, I'm going to die, to, oh my goodness, what an opportunity is, how liberating it is for me to begin to think about and extract from my mind how and what people will say about me. Because my friend, if you have a vision of the end of the journey, you can clearly identify how you're going to get there. And clarity is power. And if you don't, you're just like a ship tossed on the waves with no way you'll ever know where you're going to go. Now, this recently happened. I'll give you an example. I have a group of leaders who I am blessed to coach and steward and mentor and walk alongside of my great Summit Leadership Elite Group. And if you've listened to the show, you've heard me talk about these individuals. Well, when they first started their program, when they first started with me, the very first thing we do is we go through their vision and the vision of the future with their family, their friends, their businesses, their spiritual life, all the relationships, their to-do list, their bucket list, what they regret, all of the pieces of life that they can create a vision around. And in fact, the vision for the business comes last. And the reason is because we want to identify the vision for all the other parts of your life. And then your business funds it. Instead of your business being the central aspect of your life that sucks everything else dry, that takes precedent over everything else, you build your life and then the business is what actually is what causes everything else to have financial needs met. So it, it's a funding source. So then you can have clear boundaries and borders on what you will and will not, which you won't do. But before we do any of that, we start in one place. And that one place is the eulogy. So what we do is we extract what you would want people to say about you. And this is a great exercise for you, for anyone. If you haven't done this yet, I actually go through and I revisit this every year and identify if I'm on track. So people say all different kinds of things, as you would expect. They talk about their family, their spouses, and their own voice, friends, things that they would have wanted to accomplish in life. And sometimes it is business-related. And it's a beautiful masterpiece of your, what I call your tribute to your life, your journey. And it's amazing that when you start to extract that and make it a vision of your future, then what happens is the decisions you make begin to drive you either toward or away from that. And that's the beauty of vision. That's why the old proverb says that without vision, the people perish. Because with vision, you can see where you're going. And then you can set up boundaries and borders for what's acceptable and unacceptable in your life. So in this journey, you then commemorate where you're going. So for example, in my eulogy, in my tribute, I want to make sure that my son knows how much I care for him. 
and how much I'm willing to give up so that I can be present for him, fully present. And I haven't always been that way. And I know that when I measure it against my vision, when I'm veering off from that vision of the future, that God willing, he's standing over my remains, my body, and says, and he says, dad was there for me when I needed him. Dad cared. I was important to him. I have to make sacrifices in other areas. And that's totally fine. In fact, years ago, he asked me, dad, why didn't you go big, start an accounting and advisory firm that went nationwide. You can just have offices in every single state and you could be so wealthy. We could have a massive mansion. And my answer was then the same now. You, not in a bad way, but in a good way. I have to choose where my priorities lie. That doesn't mean that I don't focus on my business as a necessary means to provide for my family and all of my employees and provide for the community and to give us a wonderful service that people can use. That's not that at all. However, there comes a point where for me, enough is enough to meet those needs. And even in that, I would give up the enough is enough to meet those needs if it impacted or if it impeded my greater vision of knowing that my son was important and he understood that. The same thing goes for my spouse. Those are the two most important people in my life. And so I want to make sure that I don't miss that because I don't want to be at the very end and say myself, boy, I sure could have, what's the question mark? The same is for you as it is for me. And so this event was very special. We just had, I want to share a little bit about it with you. We went to a place called Hershey, Pennsylvania. And you might have heard of Milton Hershey. And you might not have heard of Milton Hershey. He is the person who started, the founder of Hershey. So every Hershey's Kiss, every s'mores that has a Hershey bar in it, that is Mr. Hershey's creation. In fact, he was born in 1857, a long, long time ago, in the 19th century. And by the 1880s, he was making caramel. And by the 1890s, he was making chocolate. He sold his caramel business in 1900 and was full force in chocolate. In fact, one of the first times he tried chocolate, he told one of his associates, Frank Snavely, that caramel was a fad and that something that they would always have would be chocolate. He had a vision for the future. But it wasn't just chocolate as a vision for the future. His vision was to provide joy, happiness to others. And he knew he could do that first through chocolate because, I don't know about you, but I've had my fair share of chocolate and there's just a little bit of happiness. It sometimes comes with taking a bite out of a sweet, creamy piece of chocolate, whether it's dark chocolate or milk chocolate or whatever it might be. If you're not a chocolate person, I understand, but I am and I have to hold back sometimes, especially on this trip to Hershey where we were. It's, of course, chocolate town. It's called the sweetest place on earth. I took my team, my group of leaders that I get to mentor, who are all entrepreneurs, to Hershey, Pennsylvania, to share in understanding the power of knowing where you're going, the vision for your future. Not only that, but the vision of how you want to be remembered. And Mr. Hershey wanted to be remembered as someone who was deeply generous, but not only that, that just had courtesy and efficiency. Why are those important? Because he wanted to be a courteous person to everyone who he knew except for perhaps 
Mr. Wrigley, I can tell you that story another time. And he wanted to be efficient because he knew that manufacturing a product that he can provide to people, a five-cent chocolate bar, was his goal in 1900, 1901, and then, of course, 1903 when he we had a perfected product. It cost money, and efficiencies were necessary to be able to bring that cost down. But he wanted to give people dignity, a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning, and he did that through his town. It took some time, but his town developed and grew, and he wanted to take care of children. Because he knew that he couldn't have any children with his wife. She died, unfortunately, of an illness when they had just been married for 17 years. In 1915, she was in her early 40s. And he was so distraught by that that he started an orphanage because they couldn't have any kids. They started an orphanage together, but he gave his entire fortune to the orphanage so that they would have their needs met in perpetuity as their benefactor as their father, if you will, father figure. And Hershey could not have possibly done that had he not laid out a vision for his future. You can't, I can't possibly do what's needed to meet that future desired end goal unless I lay it out and share it. So what I did was kind of neat for my students. On the last day of our retreat, I gave them a copy of it etched in crystal forever a reminder of their own words on how they wanted to be remembered and several years had gone by for many of these individuals so they had almost forgotten writing this and with emotion and tears in the room you can only guess how personal and impactful that was as each of their tributes were read to them by someone else and now they get to keep those and hold those dear, whether it's on a desk or whether it's on a wall, and to continue to be reminded of what's my most important priorities are, not just today, but in a year, in five years, in 10 years, in 20 years, in 50 years. And as we progress as leaders, I think it's so critical that we do this. We lay out our vision for the future Whatever it may be, do this today if you can, right? Your eulogy, your tribute, your story that will share your hope of how people will remember you. And then it's not only that you write it, but you begin to live it each and every day that you measure your actions against it. So for me, when I'm working late or I've got an appointment, for example, even today, I had someone message me last night and say, hey, Nate, I need to talk to you. I got something important. I had a full day today. I said, well, you know, I can do it after work, after you're all done. You know, if I can, I will, but that's not time for business. That's time that I'm reserving for my loved ones. And if I can help you, I can. If not, someone else can. I understand. If we can't do business because of it, I also understand that. Because I know where my priorities are. I know where my boundaries are. And I know that when my eulogy is read, at least as of now, that will be a non-negotiable, that I spent the time that's necessary with the ones I love, not because out of duty, but because out of care, because I am committed to having the kind of relationships that are fruitful and they come at a cost. Sometimes I don't always get it right. Sometimes I miss it. And uh, the beauty of not always getting it right and missing it is because we're fantastically flawed, we can start a new day. We can make amends and we can work to make it right. So if you're in a situation, a position to where you've missed it 
once, twice, time and time again, the good news is you're still alive. You still have an opportunity to work toward your vision, your better vision of a future state. So my encouragement to you is outline that eulogy, that tribute. Look at it from the perspective of your loved ones, from your desired hobbies, your desired relationships, your business, and begin to craft just how important you are in this world. And then go live it. Well, my friend, thank you for joining me on this episode of A Call to Leadership. If you've been listening, you've probably heard me talk about our accounting and advisory business. And this show was actually born out of that business, those relationships. I found that entrepreneurs and professionals were missing aspects of their leadership that fed into their bottom line and helped their businesses be successful. So I'm so thankful that I've had all those years in that area to feed into this. And the truth is that so many people still need accounting and advisory help and they don't know where to go. If you're in that place where you feel, oh my goodness, my tax person or my accountant, I can't find them, or maybe the service wasn't up to my expectations, do not despair. I'll leave how you can find us in the show notes, and one of my team members can do some discovery and help you along your journey. You're not alone, my friend. You always have help. I'm Dr. Nate Sala. Can't wait to see you on the next show, A Call to Leadership.